That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute. If you don't know what it is by now, uh, no, it's a podcast rewatching Batman v Superman a minute at a time and then breaking them down into great detail. We have arrived at our, I'll say, our first penultimate episode, Minute 59. We are breakneck speeding towards the first hour mark, which is a an incredible achievement and also a insanely like belittling <laughs> benchmark to have reached but i think we're this is gonna, we're still going to find some fun stuff to talk about for sure in these uh coming minutes yeah for sure well and it's crazy too because since we did our last episode snyder recorded his commentary which in a in a beautiful way really validated a lot of the stuff that we pulled out but also um is one of the first times that we've like together rewatched the entire thing and um yeah so it's a really kind of a good point to do that at the kind of a third of the way che- through to kind of check to make sure we're we're in alignment and i'm i'm really really excited about what how we've set things up for what's coming um and what we still have coming so that's really cool it, it is definitely locked in like what a good uh, well I'll, i won't say what a good idea that will be for someone else to say but what a uh, an effective strategy it was to talk about this movie to go a minute at a time because this blows by in the movie. But yeah, that was the that was the craziest thing to me is I'm so used to like we are in Africa and I'm like oh yeah now this is where wait what why is it it's it's slow down <laughs> <laughs> yeah well slow down we will not because we are heading into minute fifty nine when last we left off we witnessed the smooth camera slide over from Caesar Santos being put into the Metropolis prison system. Now we slide over to Wallace Keefe being taken out. And of course, the question on everyone's mind, who, who paid? paid? Your three o'clock's here. He made me half a man. My wife. He finds, waiting for him in his apartment, Lex Luthor with a present. Probably one of the first times that Lex is overtly plotting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, we're finally getting him coming into the spotlight. I would point out that it is unclear if, I would assume, because Wallace knew that he was probably going to end up in prison or in jail, that it was Lex playing a game of solitaire by himself. Which I which I never noticed until we did this minute by minute that he's in the midst of a game of solitaire, which is perfect for Lex <laughs> up to this point in the movie because – or I guess aside from him and KG Beast. I mean even KG Beast is more one of – more a pawn, not a not a co – like a partner. Yeah, not a co-conspirator. Yeah. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to him <laughs> shortly. But um, the one thing I do want to point out here is that I've never noticed it until now. But the sound of Lex turning around in the chair is almost like a perfect match, not in note, but it's a perfect match for the sound of the world engine. Oh, interesting. And, I, and once I'm sure once I point that out to someone, they'll never be able to not hear it. But we get it um, beautifully delivered 
in this minute by Lex perfectly ominously. Well, considering how they use, like, that's one of those things where the, the second you point that out, there's no way that's not what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been any sound. Yeah, because of the the way they they've been using that already. I mean, we heard it um, obviously in Metropolis, and then we heard it in uh, Bruce's dream. Yeah, the sound of ominous. Yeah, the sound of ominousness. We always assume it's going to be. We'll say, I guess we'll say, who the f are you? That's how I always remember it. He says, "Who are you?" And he says, "Some just a just a man." He said, like, "What the f- do you want?" Sorry, I'm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what does Lex say? He he says, "I'm just a man, just a man, trying to help him stand for something." Yeah, like what a dick. Yeah, I mean, just. I guess at this point, Wallace is going to take a handout or, or, or help from anybody, really. And yeah. what he is offering is a chance to kind of do uh, the one thing that Wallace wants, which which does fit, I think, in the overall themes of this movie. He wants to be seen, right? He wants to, yeah. to quote a different character, look Superman in the eye and ask him how he chooses. Yeah. Maybe Wallace is a bit angrier. This is more fueled by rage or um, resentment, certainly, but... Lex is there to to offer it, you know, like basically wrapped up in a bow. And luckily, we don't need to we don't need to spend too much time wondering what the plan is here because it basically cut to Lex's plan in action. <laughs> the fun part about Lex's plot is whenever you start to break down the hows and the whys, you start to think, oh, there's no way he could have known, or there's no way he could have manipulated that. And then you kind of start tracing it back, and you realize, oh. No, no, he was he was pushing and pulling and prodding and we don't find out until until later but Lex had Keith in some way in his in his sights. Now that's one of the parts of his plot we do know the least about, but we find out later that there was a victims fund that he was supposed to be getting stuff from that he wasn't. It should and, not have happened to him. Yeah, and so so I guess we don't know for sure what exactly happened there but we know that lex lex had a hand and so he's been kind of waiting for this guy and who knows what else he's been doing to to manipulate him if he's going that far maybe he's been putting him in situations that that make superman more prominent in order to kind of push him over the edge um but he's definitely been waiting and he uh, clearly he knows (laughs) the second the guy's gone to prison and he's waiting there when he gets back so I don't know, maybe he even had a handful of people who he was doing that with, and he was just waiting for one of them to snap. He does kind of lay this out at some point in the future, so it'll be good to know. But yeah, I feel like that does kind of speak to our overall message about how this Superman is being presented, is that it's implied people are hurt in his wake. But then we're also shown that Wallace is not a guy that slipped through the crack, like, Lex made the crack and then swept him into it. Right. So so there is kind of that. It, I don't know. I mean, I guess it leaves up in the air if you want to believe that Superman can do no wrong, then like that kind of is plausible at the well, end of this story. And I think maybe there's something in there to say about sort of the modern human experience. And I can't really speak to the human experience outside of the, you know, the era we live in just because we didn't live there. But I do notice – in today's day and age with the way that we exchange information and the way we are on social media, anecdotal experiences are extrapolated into universal experiences way more oh, yeah. commonly. And so for someone like him who had a bad experience with Superman, 
it would be very easy for him to see the world in which everyone experienced Superman the same way he did. Even if it's only 1% of the time, he could live in a reality where it's 99% of the time because maybe there, maybe he's part of a support group with dozens or hundreds of other people who have been hurt by Superman or maybe he um, visits message boards or websites that have all sorts of collateral damage from Superman and you know if he's saving a million people, there's going to be a few thousand people that um that had poor outcomes right yeah i mean at the same time we we watched perry and jenny almost die right because of what was happening in man of steel but there's never any indication that they would hold that they would hold superman personally responsible for that happening well no but they don't even need to speak for themselves right there's the statistic um that wallace is able to to look at or he can even hear their story and they don't need to say Oh, but it's okay because Superman saved me. He would say, "No, stop listening to the media lies." Like we all know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Well, like I mean, that. you could ask at some point, like the thing that he describes when he goes to June's office and says, "You know, uh, most of it is in the next minute." But what we know of his life, Lex could have been directly responsible for much of it. Right. You know, it's not. It's not like he swooped in at the end, right? As he says, a big part of this was the fact that he was left with no no, no yeah. support system at all, which could turn someone into this, which he is more than anything, is vulnerable. He is uh, Lex's new tool, and he plays to his fiddle perfectly. He goes, and his next scene in the office of Senator June Finch, speaking what we can only assume he thinks are his words and his feelings. Superman made him half a man. Yeah. And then we get a terrific Zack Snyder joke where he only says, my wife, before the minute ends. <laughs> I'm sure he planned it out exactly that way. Exactly. I mean, hey, we know he did. So. Yeah. Well, as our, as the rule is with Snyder, if if you question whether or not it was intentional, it definitely was. So There you go. Yeah. Was it an intentional Borat reference? Yeah. The one thing I did want to point out, uh, the one thing I never noticed until we were doing this minute by minute is that. Visible behind <laughs> do you know what I'm talking? No, wait. Yeah. You don't know what I'm gonna say. Visible behind June is her diploma from the University of Louisville, which reveals her full name is June Reeves Finch. No way. Yeah, and that considering everything that we've been talking about, her character kind of being yeah. the you know, the actual fists on hips, like crusader for truth, justice in the American way. It's it's a really nice shout out to I guess both George Reeves and Christopher Reeve. <laughs> you want to know what's funny about that? Hmm. Every episode, there's a part where I'm like, you know, I should go, I should take a closer look at that diploma <laughs> and see what it says, or I should read this article on this monitor in the background. I'm like, you know what? Dice has that covered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, I'm, I'm really glad that I was right about you reading that. That's a really cool pullout. Yeah. That put, put a smile on my face almost as big. As the one, I guess, like we've kind of been talking about uh, in the overall picture, horses as embodiments of like messengers of doom, you know, messengers mm -hmm. of, you know, this massive change. And in this scene, we get a twist on it, would yeah. you say? That, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That Wallace Keefe, right as he says, I was turned into half a man. Uh, it's only fitting that visible behind him is half a horse. Yeah, it's in her, in, in, in her cabinet. And so you can just see through the door. Like the the joint of the door is covering the back legs. Appropriately. Um, yeah. It's not just the fact that it's a horse, but it's it's half a horse. 
um, representing him, obviously, as he says, half a man, and its legs are are covered up. And um, well, and you would also point it out that there's a there's a horse, there's multiple horses in Lex's office, one of which is missing legs, and so just yeah, another kind of great pull through of that uh, the horseman kind of concept. Yeah, if you weren't already kind of smirking whenever you notice the horse used in this movie, I think this is <laughs> definite permission to do it. And this is a new one. I don't I I don't think I ever have seen this one pointed out. Somebody somebody did tweet it at us a few weeks ago, and so I said we'd we'd point it out in the episode. But then um I had forgotten about it and I as I was watching in there I saw it in the background. I was like, oh wait, I had to go back and double check to make sure it was the one that we were told to look out for but yeah there's even more than i i always thought it was like oh there's like two or three of them in there but no this is like the seventh that we've seen and we're an hour in and now i'm permanently on the lookout for them as i said we end the minute on my wife we don't know what i mean (laughs) we're left in suspense wondering wallace's wife what Mm -hmm. you know and that is where we believe it we are standing idly by as captive an audience as june as we leave this minute and head into the second half of Wallace's little speech here. Lex's scheming will, will, I guess, is about to go into yet another higher gear. <laughs> yeah. So on that note. My wife. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and... Uh... I start this by saying, welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. We haven't done this for a while. I took a drink of water right away. (laughs) And I am Stephen Colbert.